Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I'm your host, Lori LeBay, and I'm so excited that you're joining us today. We are going to have a fascinating conversation as usual as we learn from people all around the world at all ages and stages of life. Stay tuned as we shift our dementia care from crisis to comfort. Here we go. What you think about everyone and welcome back to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I'm your host Lori LeBay and if you liked our opening music it's called Clarion Call by the Mark Arneson Band and you can download that on any of your favorite music platforms. For those of you that are new we're about sound information not just sound bites. Our goal is to raise all voices big and, sc- big and small from those diagnosed to those who care and serve Uh, advocates, researchers, and so much more. Now, today is a live show, and you can call in at 323-870-4602. That's 323-870-4602 if you'd like to ask a question or make a comment uh, with our guest today. And um, it is the holiday season, so I have to thank our listeners. I am so grateful for each and every one of you sharing our episodes on Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn and helping us build a community that people feel safe and comfortable at. I think that's really the only way we're going to, you know, win this battle against dementia is really working together. Now, today we are going to be talking with a woman who has been living with FTD, that's frontal temporal dementia, and uh, she's she's got a lot to share with us, so I'm I'm really excited. But before I introduce her, I do want to mention that all of our shows are archived, and we have, gosh, over 10 years worth of shows you can go back and listen to um, at your leisure. So you might want to subscribe to our show here and alert you every time a show pops up. Typically, we do shows on Tuesdays and Thursdays, but again, you can listen to them anytime on any of your favorite music platforms. I want to give a shout out to Artist Way in uh, Woodbury, Minnesota. They are doing Memory Cafe, which is a virtual on the third Wednesday of each month. And then Arthur Senior Living is doing a Memory Cafe on the second and the fourth Wednesday of each month. Both of those I facilitate. And because they're virtual, anybody is welcome to come and join us. So you can find out by reaching out to me at Lori, L-O-R-I, at Alzheimer's Speaks. Or you can just go to the Memory Cafe directory. Um, you can go to the Cafe Connect section where it lists over 100 virtual cafes that you can participate in. I also want to give a shout out to Coral Health. Um, They are allowing people to download their apps, both Music First and Coral Faith Free during the pandemic. So go to Coral, that's C-O-R-O Health.com to be able to access that. And I also wanted to um, 
just announce that we have launched Dementia Map. And Dementia Map is a global resource directory that serves those uh, living with dementia as well as their care partners, family and friends, and business professionals. So if you're looking for some new services, uh, please take a peek. We're going to be growing each and every day. And if you have a service that you would like listed, we do have a free um, listing as well as two paid uh, listings as well. Let's hear from the Footbar Walker, and we'll be right back and introduce you to our Introducing the life-changing Footbar Walker. I'm Peggy from Danville, Kentucky, and I'm 91 years old. The Footbar Walker revolutionized my care of George. The saving that I made from having to put him in a nursing home came to about $192,000. The Footbar Walker opens and closes just like a standard walker. The only thing that is different is the top bar and the footbar. Does that ever make a difference? Does someone you love use a walker? Do they struggle to get up from a seated position? Are you a caregiver dealing with physical pain and stress as you help your patient? The Footbar Walker was designed to assist not only the patient, but also the caregiver. Patients have more control standing up, and no lifting from the caregiver is required. See how it works at thefootbarwalker.com. That's thefootbarwalker.com. Peggy, would you recommend the Footbar Walker? Do I ever? I would not be in the health that I'm in today at this age had it not been for the Footbar Walker. Well, welcome back. Let's get to our show today. I'm really excited um, to talk with Myrna Norma, who was uh, Norman, who was diagnosed 12 years ago with FTD, which is frontal temporal lobe dementia. And she has been an advocate for those living with dementia throughout her whole journey. And she's going to share with us some tips that she has. How are you doing today, Myrna? Oh, just fine. Thank you, Lori, and thank you for the opportunity to speak with your audience. Wonderful. We are we are excited to have you. I also want to introduce everybody to Kate Lau. She's going to be my co-host today, and Kate is also living with dementia. So welcome, Kate. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Lori. Thank you. Good. And do you want to tell people how long you've been diagnosed and with what type of dementia? I have been diagnosed for over seven years, and uh, I too, like like Myrna, have a FTD, frontal lobe uh, degeneration, and um, I'm on. I've been on a plateau for quite a few years, and uh, you know my progression has been slow. So I'm doing well. Thank you. Wonderful. Um, Myrna, I'm going to start out with you. I want to ask you if you can give some people a little bit of background on, you know, when you were diagnosed. I know it was 12 years ago, but what were some of the signs that you had that something was off? Oh, for sure. Um, I I lived at that point, my husband and I lived in a smaller city. Uh, We're currently just outside of Vancouver. We lived in a smaller city in B.C., and I was having... um, problems with uh, uh, spatially so I might take a step and and think that um, the floor was going to drop away or one dreadful situation I remember I was driving our vehicle and we were on a hill and at the bottom of the hill was a lake and uh, there was a we we were stopped in a line and there was a like a traffic person that was stopping uh, the, the cars on the highway um, to do some repair. 
and I had both my feet on the brake, and I was screaming to my husband as loud as I could that we were rolling backwards. I really believed with my heart and soul that we were going to just somehow fly backwards and end up in the lake. Um, and, And that was the kind of really scary part that said, hey, lady, something's not quite right here. I had had some previous difficulties. We had our own business, and I uh, had been doing books for a hundred years, as I say, and um, and I couldn't do them anymore. And I hired a bookkeeper, and she would say to me, "But Myrna, this is so simple. It's on the computer here. I'll show you." And when she would leave, I would rant and rave um, at myself for not being able to accomplish that any longer. And then I had some rather odd thoughts, thoughts that were not me. And and that sort of was the straw that broke the camel's back and decided to go and get some help. Okay, wonderful. Um, Kate, do you mind telling people what were some of your symptoms in the beginning? Sure. Um, I was uh, the same with um, Bernard. I had my own... Business, I thought, all right, I'm going to retire with something fun. I had a, a shop that's called, um, well, sorry, I can't remember. It's something like this and that. Or I had an antique shop that sold all kinds of things, like even new things. Uh, and uh, I found that I, um, I was kind of slow with my, with my math. Um, it, and uh, I was asking a part-time a lady who worked for me to help me with it. And she had three aneurysms. And I thought, I thought that she looked kind of lost one day, and she asked me for a job. And little would I know that she was so much better than I was, and she was a great help. And uh, that was one. Number two, I was at a parking lot. I wanted to go get groceries after work. And uh, I didn't realize that I was just sitting in my Jeep for I don't know how long, that I never got out of the car or the Jeep. You can't call a Jeep a car. It gets insulted. Um, So I I was uh, sitting in my Jeep. Then I realized that I didn't know how to start it. So I called my husband, and then I told him what was happening. And then he said, well, I'll come get you. Uh, Just as he said that, I said, oh, I know how to turn my key in the ignition. He said, do you know how to get back? I said, yes, I do now. And I just went home. Uh, that was just kind of like an incident, you know. Mm-hmm. But the real, the real um, reality hits home when uh, I walked down the street because a lady that lived down the street told me to come and look at a you know, garden of roses. So I said, well, it's spring. You know, it's a great time to just walk. It's directly the road that goes from my house to her house. There's no terms, nothing. And her house at the end of the street, and uh, I couldn't find it. So I got lost. I went a long way. I went miles, I think, and I I didn't know how to get home. That's one of those things, you know. Scary. It was, yeah, it was, uh, mine was getting lost when I walk, but I will not get lost if I drive. Isn't that something? That's so interesting. <laughs> yes. Now, now, Myrna, how how are you coping 
with your diagnosis? Are you doing well? And if so, how'd you get to that space? Because I would imagine when you first got the diagnosis, you were probably, you know, um, set back and, and um, a little distraught. <laughs> that's a that's an understatement. I was <laughs> I was in despair. I was you know, fortunately my husband had to leave the next day at the day after I got the diagnosis and I had gone home after my doctor's appointment, printed out a bunch of stuff about dementia, didn't tell him, put it in his suitcase and told him when he got there he should read this information. He was gonna be gone for about <laughs> ten days. And you know what? That was the best 10 days because I wailed and I cried and I felt so sorry for myself. And so I was able to, excuse me, use all those emotions and and let my body and my mind use those to help me to get to the other side. And I believe that was sort of the number one thing that I did. Um, to help me sort of find my way in this. And then I educated myself. I took a course through um, Tasmanian University, excellent course, um, and and learned everything I could, and then I became an advocate. Um, but I think there's there's about four or five things that are really important for people, and that's to try and find a relaxation routine, an everyday um, you might have to force yourself, but find something that you really like to do and just relax and quiet yourself for at least half an hour every single day. And go outside and go for a walk. It's great to walk inside a mall, but hey, you don't see the birds. You don't see the green leaves. Go outside, even if it's only 15 minutes every day. Mm-hmm. And look for the humor. You know, I think the one thing that people with dementia do the most harm to themselves is by that committee of idiots that sits in our brain. And when we screw up, they remind us. They say, look what you did. And we need to get rid of that committee of idiots. Mm -hmm. Uh, Art is perfect, any kind of art, Um, music, poetry. I write poetry now. I had never written poetry in my life before. And I love doing art. Um, spirituality and advocating. Advocating has been probably the most important thing that I've done, not only for myself, but for others. But it helps me immensely. Oh, nice. Nice. Um, I I liked when you, you know, because when you said that you sent your husband off, I thought, oh my gosh, I wonder how that hit him. But I'm sure he was going through everything himself. And then, um, but allowing yourself to go through all those emotions, I think it's so critically important for us to be able to move through those emotions to get to the other side. And I, I personally have believed for a long time that when we stuff them um, and we don't express those emotions, that's when we get stuck and we start spinning, you know, and we don't really just let our body go through the process of, of grieving, if that's what it is, um, or feeling the sadness, and then readjusting to, you know, what's what's going to be. I agree. And I have a, a short little um, thing that I'd like to read. It's, it was written by Norm McDamara. He's the, he's the person who started Purple Angels in England, um, mm-hmm. and he's been diagnosed with Lewy body for about 
10 years um, and is having a, a tough time of it. But he wrote this poem, and I think it really, or this little story, and it helps people understand. Uh, like Kate was saying and I was saying that sometimes uh, we can do things that perhaps we shouldn't be able to because we couldn't do them the day before. Anyway. Uh, He says, I'm often asked, what in layman's terms is dementia? And he answers it this time, this uh, way, especially at this time of the year. So he says, if you can imagine a Christmas tree absolutely dripping with lights that shine as bright as you have ever seen, have you ever wondered of the beauty of it and how it shines these lights of hope all around the world? Then, if you imagine that every one of those wonderful lights are your life's memories, which can be seen and remembered at any time, then all of a sudden, one by one, those lights go out. Slowly but surely, they start to diminish until they are gone forever, never to return. All memories of loved ones, family, and life experiences just disappear until the final one folds into darkness, and as we know, unless they find a cure, what that means. This is how I explain it in layman's term, what dementia is. But, he says, and if you know me, you know there's always a but. If sometimes you give that Christmas tree a bit of a nudge, Uh, And he says, and I don't in any way condone shaking anybody with dementia, but if you include and engage with people who have this disease, sometimes, just sometimes, these wonderful lights come back on. If only for a second, a few minutes, or permanently, it doesn't matter. The point is that they have come back on, and that memory has returned for no matter how long. Isn't that beautifully said? It really is. Yeah. I remember when he first wrote that um, many, many years ago, and it, it does. It just explains it in a real simple fashion that everybody can visualize what mm-hmm. that what that must be like. Um, Kate, do you do you um, agree with that as well? Definitely. I, I anyway. I love norms. I'm biased, but <laughs> yes, <laughs> I do. I do. Um, it is it is true and it is sad, uh, but in layman's term, I think that's about the closest you can come to, mm-hmm. you know, because it's true one at a time. And uh, dementia, as we all know, is a thief. You know, it, it steals our skills, our memory, our, and those lights go out. Um, yes, a little nudge. Sometimes you just have to move the cord a little bit. And all the lights start coming on, and I went like, "Oh darn!" I was about to throw all the lights out. <laughs> you know, yes. that's exactly how we feel about ourselves sometimes. I'm giving up. I've had it. I've had it because I can't find a word. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I do that every day, even though you have a, a, a spouse, a partner, whatever, and you talk about your dementia. How long can you talk about it with the same person? You know, it's like they must be they must be uh, totally frustrated hearing this all the time. Then that's when you know that, well, enough is enough. Just live it. This is your life. It's not everybody's life. They don't have it. They won't understand it. So I advocate by 
wherever I go, whoever I see, new people, whoa, victim, <laughs> always talk about dementia. So what mm-hmm. do you do? Well, I've got, you know, uh, frontal lobe degeneration. It's a form of dementia. So they've never heard of FTD. And here we are. I always see that FTD is the most common, common dementia. I've never heard of FTD. All I knew was Alzheimer's. So Mm -hmm. most people just think that, you know, Alzheimer's is the only dementia. That's all they know. So I feel like I need to advocate. And that's that. Yeah. Yeah, and in Lewy body is up there too. We're hearing more and more yes. about both the frontal temporal lobe and and Lewy body and vascular um, yes. dementia yes. as yes. well. Um, Myrna, how difficult was it for you, you know, to to decide to go to the doctor? You know, you told us kind of what symptoms and stuff that you had, but. Um, was that a pretty easy step of I, I got to figure out what's going wrong, or was there just a lot of fear wrapped in that? No, I, I that was fine with me. I just needed to know what was going on. But you know, I probably had heard the word Alzheimer's in my past, but mm-hmm. it was only a word. I had no idea what it meant. I had uh, dementia was like demented, and that was not a nice word or. Um, situation and so my education around anything to do with that was so limited so that when he told me that and told me I had eight years to live um, I I was just totally Mm -hmm. devastated yeah have you sent him a thank you note for your four extra years so far (laughs) yeah I know I know reminder every year Uh, I I know know. it's crazy isn't it but, yeah. you know, we so annoying because, well, I shouldn't say that. How do I put this? We had a big home, we had big furniture, all of that, and we had to sell it all because, obviously, I was going to be gone in eight years, so we had to <laughs> to plan for a whole different lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And here I am, plugging yep. along. We could have yep. stayed in our house. Oh, anyway. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is hard because you know. I mean, I remember even when my dad had cancer, we wanted we wanted to know, and so we kept pressuring the doctor, and he said, you know, we really don't know. And then finally, he said, okay, a year to a year and a half. And my dad lived four and a half, and and then we felt very blessed that we had him those extra years. Yeah. But he wouldn't have even told us anything except we we just kept kept pushing him against the wall all the time, yeah, <laughs> and trying to <laughs> trying to get things figured out. So. Yeah, it's, isn't it's that, an interesting isn't that strange, Lori? It's like mm-hmm. I missed my death year. My death year was last year. Mm-hmm. I think my death year was last year. They gave me six years. Mm-hmm. And I went like, how come I'm not dead yet, you know? It's like mm-hmm. it's six years, you know? Um, and then I felt like, well, I don't even feel like I'm dying. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So where do they get the numbers from? Because in the first place, like, right, Myrna, like you said, they don't know. They don't know when they diagnose us. I was told I had seizure. I had uh, multi, uh, I can't remember what it was, seizure, all kinds of things. Uh, I was sent to a very well-known uh, hospital that specialized in seizures, and they couldn't mm-hmm. find anything. And then later, my um, 
neurologist referred me to my neuropsych, did all the tests, and she said, I've got dementia. For two years, I was on Aricept and, uh, oh, Aricept and come on, guys, you know that medicine. Namenda. Nope. Mm-hmm. I was dying. I thought that really, do I have six years? I feel like I had three years. And mm-hmm. found out that I had FTD. I went for another test. I asked for another test because I was always like uh, on the couch or, you know, feeling sick. Um, I asked for another test and found out that they misdiagnosed me mm-hmm. for Alzheimer's. And uh, FTD does not have any medication. They treat your symptoms for maybe anxiety or whatever you have. And I didn't know at that time that there's no medication for FTD. So I've been treated with Alzheimer's medication for two years. And when they took me off it and realized it's FTD, seriously, I felt so much better. That's when I went on a plateau because they've misdiagnosed me and put me on the wrong medication. Mm-hmm. And they told me I had six years to leave, and here I am, still alive. Wow. Kate, I think people like you and I are educating the doctors and all those others that live past um, five or six mm-hmm. years. We're educating the doctors now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If they, yeah, if they I, don't know I, what they're diagnosed, how would they know when we're going to die? Yeah, yeah. Um, I I want to um, keep our conversation moving because the time goes by so fast. And I want to ask you, um, Myrna, about how we lessen stigma of dementia. How are you out there in the world uh, trying to do that? Um, Certainly, that's a great question. Um, I'm on a committee that that uh, is called Dementia Action, and we've decided to flip stigma on its ear. So we're not just going to accept uh, the, the sort of stigmatized attitude of dementia. We're actually in the process of um, getting some T-shirts made that we're going to wear um, around town, and, and it said uh, um, dementia does not uh, define me. I define dementia. Um, so we're really trying in, in lots of different ways to to be out there in front of of our communities. And I, I think I've done a, a lot of sort of background work on this, and it seems that people with dementia need to be the, the keynote speaker at events so mm-hmm. people can see, you know, that, that we really can do these kinds of things. Um, and people need to understand that stigma is really um, it's discrimination. And it seems that in our communities and our lifestyles, we need to stigmatize people. We, I mean, uh, you could feel stigmatized because you're a woman, because you're short, because you're tall, whatever. And, and we just sort of have to learn that everybody living on this planet has some sort of a challenge perhaps not seen, perhaps seen. And and uh, we don't want to discriminate against everything. That sounds kind of airy-fairy, but we need to work at it. We need to make films and bust the myths that are out there. Um, and grassroots and local champions of communities, I think, are the best ones to lead this. Mm-hmm. 
Yep. Kate, what are your thoughts on, on what Myrna's talking about? Um, yeah, I agree with Myrna. Myrna, I need one of those T-shirts, by the way. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and sell it to the Association for FTD. Yeah, they like T-shirts. Um, what was the question again? Um, it, was uh, real, it was really... It was really, she was talking about um, how to lessen stigma, and she was saying, you know, the, the face of the educator really needs to be people with dementia, you know, Definitely. speakers. And, yep, yep, I, Definitely I agree. Because, yeah, because I was asked to speak at one, in the early days of uh, Alzheimer's uh, Association um, Walk for Dementia, mm-hmm. and uh, I was very closely working with the media, people here, and then the following or the third walk, they put somebody there, and uh, I was totally like, um, this is for real. I used to work for that same um, facility, and she went up, and all she did was sold <laughs> sold a nursing home or skilled nursing the whole time. Oh, dear. And I went like, oh, dear. This is very bad. And all the people here are just like, she's selling her facility. People are dumb. Mm-hmm. But we come here to walk, to honor uh, one of our family members who passed. Or we're honoring somebody uh, who has dementia. And some are walking for themselves. And you are trying to put us in skilled nursing. So the face of dementia has to be represented by somebody with dementia and they can speak better about their symptoms, and that is your greatest advocacy right there. Yeah, when I, when I speak at advice, I always try to um, get them to, to do at least a panel of people, mm-hmm. and it's really interesting because, you know, after people with dementia speak, people who have been in the industry 20 and 30 years go, oh, my gosh, that was the most helpful thing I've ever gotten out of any education at all. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I told you. <laughs> you know, they're, they're, they're filled with great insight. Plus they change the perception. I had one guy actually, yeah. he was the um, administrator of a nursing home and he broke down sobbing, just sobbing. Aww. And, you know, I was doing a keynote and I couldn't stop. But during break, then I said, are you okay? And literally somebody ran out and got a roll of toilet paper and brought it back to him because he couldn't move. He was just paralyzed and sobbing as I was speaking. And um, talking with him afterwards, he said, I've been doing it all wrong. You know, after, you know, he said, my dad has it now. And I feel horrible. The advice I've been giving families that I thought was accurate, that everyone told me, you know, this is what they were teaching us how to do it. And he said, you're just opening up a whole nother door. And that's because I had walked the path and and I was actively listening and encouraging, you know, more people with dementia to speak out. And the messaging then becomes very different and very relative in the everyday person's life because you've got these real life examples like Erna when you were talking about feeling like the car was rolling back and yet you've got two feet on the brake and it's still moving and 
you yeah. know, and, and Kate walking down the block that you've done a zillion times and then not being able to find the house you want to go to or not being able to find your way home or to know to put a key in the car. Those stories are powerful, you know, and um, I mean, I've experienced that just once myself where I, my water heater went out, my brother came over and this was like 10 years ago. And, you know, I was going through a lot. I was in the process of a divorce. My mom was dealing with her dementia. Um, Just many, many things. And then the water heater was just kind of a tossing on the cake. And and he asked me to go get a plumber's wrench. And I'm like a girl with all her tools, and I didn't know what it looked like. And I remember going through my tools, just standing there thinking, what the hell? Is, does a plumber's wrench look like? <laughs> and and then I I went back down and I said Scott I don't I I can't find it. He's like Lori I know you have one I've seen your tools, so I go back up there again and I and I can't find it and I come down to him again and I said Scott I can't find it. I said Can you draw me a picture? And his jaw just dropped like Oh my wow. gosh Here we go. But I I I and that's only happened to me once. But it was frightening. It was sad. It was scary. It was embarrassing. It was, um, I was filled with shame because I couldn't figure out something that was so normal for me to be able to do. And it was, you know, uh, luckily it was just a one-time thing for me. But people don't understand when those things are happening, how that affects a person with dementia and the energy it takes to try to get it right. I mean, it was exhausting. And for me, it was one thing I had to do. It wasn't something going on throughout my day, you know, never knowing when those moments of of just blankness are going to come or, you know, when a symptom is going to pop up. I, I don't think people truly understand what it takes to try to appear normal and pull yourself together and work through even if it's an adaption process, um, until you really have those conversations of saying, just think what that would be like, you know. And that emotional experience for you, Lori, was worse than not knowing the, the tool. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Wasn't it? Yeah. Yep, yep. And, and people with, with uh, forms of dementia go through that daily, sometimes many times a day, Um and it's that committee of idiots in our head that, you know, is telling us what's wrong with you. Why can't you do that? You did that yesterday, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. I do ask yeah. myself, uh, how much uh, different would my life be if I don't have dementia? The dynamics in my family, you know what I mean? It mm-hmm. has affected my family, although they don't accept it. My kids refuse to talk about it. My husband talks about it. But whenever I say, oh, I forgot this and that, then they said, well, is it because of your dementia or this and that? Then I would snap and say, everything does not have to be my dementia. I become very sensitive about everything is dementia if I forget something. But not everything is dementia. You know, but, yeah. but I know that I know for sure that um, with STD, I've heard so many times, what part of our bodies uh would FTD uh, affect most of all? Myrna, mm-hmm. do you know uh, if it affects our limbs? Have you read that? Well, 
Yeah, for sure it does. It, it affects, I think, every part of of our body. Um, I'm having a lot of hand tremors now, and um, mm-hmm. and so even keyboarding is becoming difficult because my fingers hit keys that I'm not asking them to hit, and it becomes so frustrating. Mm-hmm. That's why craft has been so difficult. I used to scrapbooking. I I used to do well. I'll say it. Okay, beautiful cards. And now I can't even look at them. I feel like I've got to compete with my old self. Who says I have to compete? I can't. I am a perfectionist. And when I look at what I did and I want to do it, I went like, I can't do this. I don't want to do this. But Mm -hmm. I've got a six-year-old grandson who's challenging me. Um, Are you going to make me a scrapbook? I said, yes, year after year. So after Christmas, I'm making that old boy a scrapbook. Because that's the most precious possession that my children have. They all took their scrapbook and mm-hmm. show them off every time their friends come. So I've given away quite a few scrapbooks of theirs. I, I don't want to keep them. You know, I've seen them grown mm-hmm. up. This is for them and their children and friends and what have you. Uh, oh, nice. It affected my right hand tremors. And now, um, then it affected my feet. Did you say something like that uh, earlier, Norma? My, I couldn't uh-huh. put my, um, my sandals on because my brain is, you know, telling my foot something. And my foot said, I don't want to listen to you. And it goes every which way, but I couldn't put my flip-flops on unless mm-hmm. I guide it with my hand. And then the symptoms just totally went away. And I went like, yeah. what on earth is happening? And now it's affected my right leg. I can't walk. Mm-hmm. I, have a, I have a cane and a, I, I have a walker and I'm graduating. Now I have a wheelchair. It's manual. It's very, very light. I'm doing a commercial here. It's made by Thai Light. It's expensive, but it's so worth it. You can just pop the wheels out, throw it at the back of your car, fold the uh, seat, throw it. Anybody can do it. If I can do it with my bad hand, and uh, you drive, and then you you're very independent. You you know. But yes, mm-hmm. it's affected my right hand tremor, like you said, Myrna, and now it's my l- right leg. And mm-hmm. so I've uh, I've moved out um, from my huge house to a one-story um, apartment. So mm-hmm. that's how much difference it's made to my family. Myrna, how, how, how did your family take it? My family uh, used a lot of humor with this. Um, uh-huh. I, we, all, we had a family meeting shortly after I was diagnosed with an attorney to do up all the mm-hmm. paperwork and make sure that everybody knew what was going on. You know, a funny story, I have four daughters, and, and they said to me, Mama, if you have to go into a care home, when we come in to see you, we're all going to wear name tags, but we're going to wear, I'm going to wear my sister's name tag, and my sister's going to wear her, her other sister's name tag. And I think that's hilarious, and I think that's a really positive <laughs> aspect. Um, you know, we go through changes all the time, and it's difficult for sure. them. And and I think I I talk to my husband a lot um, because mm-hmm. I by doctor he took away my driver's license about eight years ago, and it's the it's the feeling of being independent. 
that I find so difficult to deal with. I it's hard sure. to always rely on someone else. Mm-hmm. Say, I want to um, I want to keep our our conversation going here. We could we could talk all day. This has been great stuff. Um, one thing I wanted to mention when you guys were talking about tremors, because I think a lot of the public doesn't understand that some people can have more than one type of dementia, or they might get some Parkinsonian. Um, symptoms as well that can be tremors or even, you know, um, limbs tightening up and, and not being is, uh, is flexible and stuff. So I wanted to throw that in. But I do want to get to your book, Myrna. Why don't you tell us about your book and why you wrote that? You know, I wanted to write a book that gave um, tangible tips um, I've been asking the Alzheimer's Society of BC and any group I work with, uh, and I've been saying to them, we need tangible tips. We, I need to have some ideas of what to do when I can't do something. How do I deal with that? Um, And so I wrote this book and I had it uh, published with large font, um, and I wrote it just as though I'm speaking it. So it's not an academic book. It's just a, a very personal book. I had listened, Lori and Kate, to um, a Dr. Sabat at a virtual conference, and he said something, and Lori sort of brought it up when she was talking about the plumber's tool, that mm-hmm. memories, our memories are based on our emotional incidences. And mm-hmm. that just really hit me. And, and I thought that it's really important to talk about that more. Um, at one point I was doing a, an exercise program at our local hospital and, and one of the persons there said to me, what's the matter with you? Have you got dementia? And I'm generally a pretty tough person, but it hurt me to the soul. And, mm-hmm. um, and I left and I never went back. Like, who did I hurt? myself and and so I needed to sort of come to terms with that kind of stuff and to share those moments with other people so that when um, either the person you're caring for or as a person living with dementia when we make errors uh, like the time that I brush my teeth with hair removal um, there are some simple ways to solve that problem Um, but we need to sort of think about it to solve it and and um certainly speaking for myself sometimes i'm not able to to think it through i sort of react but don't sort of uh, think about how i reacted and why i reacted so i thought the book was really important to write um and, and i write about all kinds of things that that we can do to make life a little bit easier. I talk about some of the situations that I've involved myself in that didn't turn out very well. Lori, I've heard you talking about uh, baths and showers and how difficult that is and why that is difficult. And I think mm-hmm. that's so important for us, for someone like you, to explain to people with dementia why we have these responses um, mm-hmm. to situations. I mean, that's just vital, isn't it? Oh, and people yeah. haven't been doing that. Yes. You know, I don't cook um, because I leave the stove on and I caught fire, got the oven on fire once, so I don't cook. Um, but I can help my husband by suggesting things to him. 
um, I leave the water running in the kitchen sink, and I've flooded the floor twice, and we've had to have the floor replaced twice. So I write about all these kinds of situations in an effort to help people realize that these things can happen to any of us, and it doesn't mean that the world is coming to an end. It just means we made an error. Yeah. Well, And, and I think that's really important for people with dementia particularly to understand um, we're, we're still, our essence is still there and our essence will be there until the day we close our eyes for the last time. And, and we need to realize that, that we're valid and we're, we're citizens of the world and of our, of our countries, of our cities and of our communities. Mm-hmm. Well, I think one of the difficult things there, too, and I, I love that you talk about tangible tips. You know, it's not pie in the sky. It's not something yeah. like, oh, okay, you told me this, but now I still got to figure it out myself. I'm out of yeah. adapt. But um, I think one of the things that is so difficult is with both of you two, people will be listening to this show going, oh, they don't have dementia. Listen to them. They, yeah. they, they sound great. You know, they look great, all of those types of things. And so they keep projecting that we, uh, you know, that there, that there's nothing wrong, you know, um, that this, what this person is going through, they, they keep projecting because it's more comfortable for them to not have to deal with, oh, there's something that's changed. And so they keep pushing that on you guys, pushing, 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 pushing. You're supposed to be able to do that. And, and I think sometimes people with dementia think, well, yeah, I guess I should. I guess I should still be able to do that. And yet inside, yeah. you're, you're going, oh, but I can't. I've tried. I, I just, you know, in some days maybe you can. In some days maybe you can't, but it's not always a consistent thing. But, you know, not only are you kind of fighting with your body, then you're fighting with the, with the public and the environment around you in terms of are they willing to be realistic? Are they willing to listen and and see what you're trying to show people or are they just going to, you know, do an off the cuff? No, that's not what's going on here. Um, when they're really Lori, that's hard. amazing. Sorry. That's like you don't look like you have dementia is what people with dementia get a lot because what mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. people's perception of dementia is end stage. Yep. Yep. Exactly. End stage exactly. or I would, I would say something to them. Um, it's after I've been told that I look normal, how beautiful I am, how lovely I am. I look great, you know, all of that, those nice things. And then, and then one day I've kind of had it. So I said, what, do you, do you expect me to be drooling on my wheelchair or what? You mm-hmm. know, uh, do you have this perception of people with dementia as ugly just because mm-hmm. they drool even, yeah. you know? I never have this feeling towards the sick, so so I'm different maybe. You know, maybe they're different, but then mm-hmm. I've had it. You know, the, it's almost like they're going overboard trying to tell me how beautiful I am, and I've never had that when I was uh, beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> and now they keep on trying to tell me I'm beautiful. I went like, you know, you're annoying me, you know. And I think the, the, the bigger picture is, the clergy, the uh, peop- the worship places, they have to to teach the the uh, the ministers or whoever they are, and the elders and the congregation 
speak to them. They're losing people. Because somebody came up to me at a parking lot, touched my stomach, put one hand on my head, which I don't mind. You pray for me. But don't mm-hmm. tell me after you prayed for me that I have no more dementia. Mm-hmm. And I go to my doctor and I have dementia. My blood work says this. My blood work says that. And you say, I don't have it, that God will heal me. Sure, I have, I have faith, but this mm-hmm. is black and white. I still have dementia. So I didn't want to mm-hmm. go to church because yeah. I cannot stand this anymore. They're, they're not wanting to get educated when it is out there. And my heart goes out most to the ones that has early onset because I had early onset. And at that time, my gosh, nobody has heard of it. So mine mm-hmm. was the first group. That I was in an elderly people group to uh, work out, for working out. When they heard about early onset, they said they've never heard of it. So they carried a banner at the walk, first early onset dementia walk team, and they walked with me. They're all mm-hmm. in the 70s or 80s. Go figure. They've wow. never heard of it. Wow. And uh, my heart just broke for them. They're so much older than me, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, my heart broke for all the ones that have early onset, so young, and imagine all the questions that I had to answer then. And now they're the younger and younger when they get their early onset. How do we, well, it's got to be hard. And, and we just have to be more accepting that everybody is a little bit different, you know, and, and yeah. the beauty within that. I mean, you, you look at there's so many different circumstances in the world where there really are a lot of, of prejudices and, and stigmas that are taken kind of for granted that this yeah. is just the way it is. And that, that all, you know, is, I, I think it's kind of coming to a head and bubbling and saying no. You know, we just have to be more gracious with everyone. Um, Myrna, how do people get your book? Um, we're selling it ourselves, actually. Um, and so they can either um, email me at the.normans, the, as in the car, the cat, the.normans at shaw, S-H-A-W dot C-A, or they can okay. even telephone me. My telephone number is in Canada, so it's one six zero four four seven seven nine six two eight. And I'd be happy to to send it along. Um, people that have read it, have, some people have have cried, some people have laughed. Um, one lady's read it four times. Um, it's a very comfortable, easy read. And be, and it talks about things that we've probably experienced, and so it it's kind of like a friend. Mm-hmm. That's cool. nice. That's nice. Yeah, yeah. Well, this I'm is quite the oldest friend. Yeah, this has just been a Lori, wonderful love, conversation. It, it is. Oh. I, I wanted to say to Lori that I think it's it's so important that because she's been a caregiver and sort of been through the whole thing, she understands what people with dementia really need, and that's tangible tips. We need to know how to deal with something when it comes up. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you. Things are improving, and and, um, I was early onset as well, and I see a huge difference in the 12 years that I've had dementia. Things are so much more open. 
Yeah, they, they that are. Is true. But, that is true. But it's really only happened in the last almost five years. Yeah, where we've really seen things powered up. And so, but it's exciting, you know, more and more things are changing, more money is going towards services. And I think we're seeing this leveling of the playing field between um, research for a cure and services on the ground for today, people living with things. And for a while it was just, oh, you know, we got to get that magic pill and, and we didn't have as many services and we're yeah. seeing a lot more things pop up. We're seeing a lot more people with dementia speak up and their families as well that really have that in the trench um, tactical tips, like you said, that, that really are, are tangible and usable and applicable, and an okay. understanding that everyone's dementia is a little bit different and every mm-hmm. care partner is a little bit different. Every family is a little bit different. So, you know, it's it's not a one-stop shop um, or a one-stop fix for any of this. So thank you so much, ladies, for, for joining us. Um, now they can, I would, both, both you ladies are on Facebook. So if they wanted to connect with you too, um, Kate, they could get you at Kate, and that's C-A-T-E, and then Lau, L-A-U, and then uh, Myrna, you spell your name M-Y-R-N-A, uh, Norman, and um, so that would be another way to connect with, with both of these powerful and wonderful women who are sharing their stories. So have a wonderful holiday season, everybody, and thank you so much for your time. Appreciate it very thank much. Thank you. Thank you so much. Bye for now. Thank Merry you. Christmas. Yep. Bye-bye. Hi, everyone. This is Meredith from the Senior Fitness with Meredith podcast, where I discuss all things for seniors, from fitness, your health and wellness journeys, how to be all over strong and beyond. I also have my mini podcast called Motivation with Meredith. It's a great, quick, motivational pick-me-up for your days. Join me. Listen now. Search for Senior Fitness with Meredith on your favorite podcast platform.